0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be the most productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my monthly live training. My next live training will be happening on Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern. I'm going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how. You could register by clicking the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. On the show today, Michael Dietrich Chastain. He is the founder and CEO of Arc Integrated, an organizational consulting and professional coaching practice. We're going to be talking about how you can create positive change in both your work and your life. Fascinating conversation, so here we go. Michael, welcome to the show. Mark, great to be here with you. You know, your name is Michael Dietrich Chastain, correct? You nailed it. Nice All work. Right. Well, thank you. Now, Chastain, <laughs> when I saw that, I'm like, my wife and I watched this show on Fox. It's called, oh, The Resident and the hospital is called okay. Chastain. So when I yeah. saw your last name, I'm like, oh, does he own Chastain? Is he like a famous doctor or <laughs> own a hospital? Uh, I know you have nothing to do with it. It's a fictitious uh, hospital, but I just thought that was interesting. So uh, thank you for uh, giving me confidence <laughs> saying your name correctly because yeah, with a name it. like Strucheski, I really appreciate people's complicated names. And so I always <laughs> make, it a, I make it a habit of saying people's names correctly. So um, you're cool. in North Carolina right now and uh, you and I both are... Are originally from cold weather states me from rochester new york you from wisconsin which probably makes the winter in rochester look like hawaii i imagine
1: <laughs> yeah we're we're definitely both harsh winters for sure
0: <laughs> yeah i never understood these people in Green Bay packer games uh, you know it's like sub-zero and they're without their shirts on what yeah, painting big. their shirt uh, painting their chest green and yellow <laughs> what are you goofy i mean are these people still alive i wonder know if these people are still alive that's what i want to
1: know oh there there are there are no fans like packer fans <laughs> i can say that they're they're <laughs> they're diehards <laughs> have you ever been to a packer game i have not actually i have not okay. lots of lots of friends that are really intense packer fans but uh, no, i've never been to a game unfortunately someday
0: now I've never be, I've been to one NFL game and I I like watching it at home because I can pause the TV. There's no lines in the restroom. There's no lines at the uh, the vending uh, the vending vendors, which is known as my kitchen. So I kind of right. like that. I can do my own replays and uh-huh. uh, I, I don't have to worry about elbowing anybody. So I kind of like watching sports at home. It's much more comfortable for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, same and well, and you know that's that's kind of what we're all dealing with right now, right? Is yes. time at home, more time at home. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. The global zombie apocalypse pandemic continues. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's interesting because um, you know, we've talked before and you're really big on fitness and nutrition, and we're going talk about a lot of things in your book. And I wanna tell you that today is August 20th, and we're recording this on August nineteenth. So I hope I'm not lying here. But as of yesterday, August 19th, I ran I ran 1,087 days in a row. I'm hoping wow. that when the listener listens to this, it's 1,088. But I usually run around 6.30. The podcast comes out at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I hope I'm not going to be a liar. But I, I do run every day. Uh, I love running first thing in the morning. I love seeing the sunrise. It's very fantastic. And I think in a time such as this, let's start with nutrition and fitness and taking care of ourselves. People have mm. got to get out. Even if you're under lockdown, you got to move. Whether you're doing Mm -hmm. jumping jacks, Mm -hmm. you're running around your house, you're running around your backyard, you got to get out. You got to move. We were never designed to sit for long periods of time. Like I always tell people, Jesus never took an Uber. He walked everywhere. And I think we need to get back to moving our bodies, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's definitely one of the outcomes I've had. I you know, usually travel a lot for work, you know, serving organizations and leaders around the world. And all of that has stopped, you know, since COVID. And so we're doing the majority of our work uh, virtually. And one of the consequences of that is, you know, a lot more time home. And, and and I've noticed been doing a lot more walking and running and I I work out regularly anyway, but uh, walking hasn't been as much of a practice. And uh, it's really, it's really great. And there's all sorts of science behind this, you know, from obviously the fitness component, but then there's the stress reduction component too of, of, you know, having, having a daily walk and what that can do for the mind as far as a reset goes. And so, yeah, big, big supporter of taking care of ourselves and how that relates to really any kind of change we want to make, whether that's productivity related or otherwise.
0: Yeah. And I think what I, what I try to tell people is, you know, if you've never moved and like, it's been years, let's say, since you, you, you kind of have your own little mold on your couch, your, your chair. Don't go out and start running. I mean, do something appropriate because you don't want to mm-hmm. wind up in the hospital. And so, right. but everyone can do something. I mean, I wear an Apple Watch, and it reminds me every hour to stand. Uh, you know, yeah. we spend a lot of our times in Zoom meetings. A lot of our times, uh, crouch over looking at our phones. And you know, we need to get up and walk around. We we need to spend time in meditation. And what I think is funny when people say I am meditating and they're on their phone. Like, no, that's not meditation. Okay, <laughs> meditation is closing your eyes and just focusing. Focusing on your breath. You're not supposed yeah. to surf surfing Facebook when you're meditating, correct?
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Of, you know, I'm a I'm a big supporter of meditation as well. And you know, one of the one of the tools that we we'll use a lot with clients, which is pretty fun for those that aren't uh, really into meditation yet. It's called the Muse. Have you heard of that, Mark? The I have Muse not Muse device. So the Muse, and I don't have a affiliate relationship with them or anything. I just I love their gear. So the Muse is a headband that you wear. And it basically, you know, reads this, the kind of activity in your, in your brain and gives you a report out on your device, whether it's a you know phone or, or an app of some sort. And it tells you how active or calm your brain is while you meditate. So oh. you've got immediate feedback for kind of how you did. And so for folks that have never meditated before, having that kind of gamification and data mm-hmm. behind what they're doing really increases, I think, uh, the amount in which they'll do it. Because just like with anything, with any habit, in order for it to really stick, in order for us to see, you have to regularly practice it, right? Just like with running, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, you've had this extensive history with running and you've got all these miles behind you. Um, and my guess is the reason you're able to do that is because you built this into your routine, yes. into your life in a huge, in a huge way, right? Yep.
0: And I'll tell yep. you, I run first thing in the morning, huh? and if it's raining in the morning and I have to run later in the morning, it kind of messes me up because my body knows we wake up at five a.m. We I read the Bible, read a couple of devotions, I plan my day in my high performance planner, and then mm. I go running. And if it's raining out. My body's going, wait a minute, we're, we're missing something. So if I try to go into my day without running, it, it really, it's amazing when you've run that many days in a row. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Your body goes, wait a minute, we're missing something here. We're, we're supposed to be running right now. And so yeah. I've even, if it's not lightning and it's not a torrential downpour like hurricane, I will still go out running in the rain. First yeah, of all, I'm not the Wicked Witch of the East or West or whatever it is. I'm not going to melt, okay? Yeah. Rain's okay. God created the rain. It's not acid. I'm not going to melt. And and so I just go out running. I just, it's so part of me. And people go, well, have you ever taken a day off? Yeah, when I run one mile. At the end of the year, my goal is to run a 1,000 miles every year, okay? And mm-hmm. around the second week of December, I've hit my goal. So then I start running one mile a day for the rest of the year, and I run it kind of slow. But when you run mm-hmm. every day, You can't take a whole day off because then you have to start over at one. And that scares the crap out of me. I don't like the number one when you have to start over a streak like that.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you bring up a really, I think, important point as it relates to habit change and productivity as well, which is, you know, introducing and leaning into discomfort. So I think, I think that is a huge game changer for really, really. And again, any, anybody that wants to create some kind of change in their life is to regularly practice being uncomfortable. And and one example that like you just gave is running in the rain, right? Not something we would necessarily want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are so many other examples, you know, weight, weightlifting is a great example, any kind of intense you know, physical exertion, uh, martial arts, great example. Um, cold showers is a great example, or some kind of cold immersion therapy or hot immersion, like sauna or hot tub, you know, any any kind of thing that puts our body in a sense of pressure and the little discomfort, uh, I think goes a huge way uh, in our ability to create change.
0: I think it's funny when you mention cold showers. Yeah, that's, yeah. It depends on where you live because someone says, Hey, have you done the cold shower challenge? I'm like, I live in Houston. It's August. Yeah, right. How cold do you think my water gets? Now, in Wisconsin, in January, totally different, (laughs) totally different (laughs) version of a cold shower.
1: Right, right. So you're, you know, in Houston in the summertime, you're doing the opposite. You're doing the heat, the the heat intense challenge, right? Like yeah. probably just going outside in the summertime is yes. it creates a certain amount of stress.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I, I think it's funny because, uh, you know, my wife always harassed me like, why do you take hot showers? I love steaming up the bathroom. I love it really hot. She goes, you come out all red. I'm like. It feels comfortable. Maybe because I just got finished yeah. with a run and it feels cool, nice to my body. But uh, she likes sure. cooler showers, but you can't get cold showers in Houston. It just doesn't happen unless you – I guess <laughs> if you have a cold water tank. Uh, but I don't have a cold water tank. So um sure. so let's talk about nutrition because okay. there's this big thing. I went vegetarian last November. And there's a lot of thing, you know, should we eat more plant-based, uh, should we eat, you know, my wife's a carnivore, 100% carnivore, all she eats is meat, literally, all she eats meat, she, she fasts for 24 hours and she eats a like a big pile of meat and then she's done for a day, that that doesn't work for me. But yeah, yeah. I, I think what we can agree on is that, uh, you know, McDonald's, Ho-Ho's, ice cream, cupcakes, that should make a very teeny, teeny, teeny part of your diet. And I see a lot mm-hmm. of people... They're eating so much of this high carb, high sugared stuff, which is not good for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, Mark. You know, there's a lot of it, it's it's hard to, it's hard to know like what is the right kind of diet because there's a lot of research on both sides, mm-hmm. right? From the vegetarian to the paleo to you know, there's a just listening to a podcast today. There's a guy that just wrote a book called I think it's called the Carnivore Code, okay. and it's about the carnivore diet. And, you know, is the doctor that wrote it and presents all this research. And so it's, it is, it is tricky to know, uh, which one to follow. It does make sense. And I'm not a doctor or nutritionist, but it does make sense to me that based on everyone's genetic makeup and, you know, chemical makeup that they may gravitate toward one or the other. Um, and it also makes sense that to your point. That processed foods full of chemicals probably aren't good for us, right? <laughs> so, you know, easy, easy enough to say, regardless of your diet, whether it's keto or it's paleo or it's veggie or it's, or it's carnivore, that leaning into whole foods is probably a great first step. Mm-hmm. you know because they don't have all the toxins in them necessarily that you know all these other sugar-based starch-based highly processed foods have and so what's you know what, what the other thing we know about things that have a lot of processed material particularly sugar and starch is that it does do things to our uh, creative ability and our capacity to focus and our energy levels right that's 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 science is all out there for that. So when we think about creating change and being more productive, um, our diet and our nutrition absolutely impacts our ability to be successful there.
0: Hundred percent. Because if you're not eating right, if you're not taking care of yourself you're not healthy, which means you don't have the energy to be productive. And so it mm-hmm. all works together. So let's talk, let's pivot over to your book. And you talk a little bit about this in your book. You got a book uh, called Changes. Um, there's seven changes, C-H-A-N-G-E-S. Now I don't want to give away the whole farm. So sure. why don't you pick out two of the letters in the word changes that you talk about in your book and share us a couple of insights from those two letters.
1: Okay. Yeah. Happy to. Um, I'll, I'll say this first, Mark. You know, one of the, one of the challenges that I think we all have as human beings in our current culture is that we can tend to get focused in on one aspect of our lived experience, right? Mm -hmm. So you and I are right now are talking about nutrition and healthy living, right? And our physical experience. Um, and that's, that's super important. And it's one of these, like like you said, these seven principles that influence our ability to create change. And unless we're looking at how all of them come together and influence one another, we're leaving money and opportunity on the table. And I'll give you an example. So you said pick out a couple of them. So one is is nourishment is one of the seven, and that's what you and I are talking about. Another one is cognition, and cognition is all about how we think, how we approach problems, how we uh, how we evaluate situations. And an example of two options that we have with cognition are that we can either choose to be a victim to our situation, right? Or we can choose to master our situation. And this goes back to a lot of research. Uh, Viktor Frankl is a great uh, model for this idea of choice um, and this idea of choosing our own perspective about situation. We can't control the circumstance, but we can always control how we evaluate it. And so... And there's, there's also ancient philosophers that also embrace this, this philosophy. And so the idea with cognition is to always lean into what can I learn from this situation? What is What might it be teaching me? How can I imagine you know, an ideal future? Am I being more uh, victim-oriented or solution-mastery-oriented? Right, And so when you think about how I'll give you the, the, new, the nourishment, the physical experience, and the cognitive experience influence each other. It's, it's absolutely what we're talking about, right? If we're filling our physical uh, body with, you know, a bunch of processed food and a bunch of garbage, our ability to think is going to go, is going to be, be detrimental, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Same with, same with fitness. If we're not moving, if we're not giving our body the nourishment that it needs, Our ability to evaluate challenges and be creative and think appropriately is going to be impacted negatively. So this is an example of how these two of these seven influence one another. But there are, you know, there are five more that also influence change. And I'll give you I'll give you one more to your question, which is which is heart. Heart is all about our emotional experience, right? So we could be really positive. We could be thinking really clearly, evaluating what's possible and not, and not how we're being victimized. And we could have our, our nourishment really spot on and our physical experience really, really honed in. But if our emotional life is suffering, our ability to be productive, our ability to create change, is going to be negatively influenced, right? So things like you know traumatic experiences that maybe we've had, or if there's you know depression or anxiety or some kind of a emotional piece that we're choosing to ignore, right? We're going to create hurdles for ourselves. So again, unless we evaluate all of these seven aspects of our lived experience, we're leaving opportunity on the table, and we're often leaving hurdles for ourselves. That can be removed if we hone in our focus, but unless we put our attention there, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be in our way.
0: Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out my website, mrproductivity.com for the date of my next live training to get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at mrproductivity.com. I think a lot of people subconsciously know this. But oh, I yeah, think for sure it's, it's not like, well, you know, it's not front and center. So what mm-hmm. I'm going to do is I'm going to do what I have to do this hour to get to the next hour, to get to the next mm-hmm. hour. They're not thinking long-term. I'll give you an example. My mother's mother died of Alzheimer's. My mother mm. has late onset Alzheimer's. And I remember I had gotten an opportunity to talk to her neurologist because I'm their only child. And I asked him, I said, you know, I read this article on runnersworld.com that people who run and take care of themselves may never get Alzheimer's, even though it runs in your family. He says, yes, we've been telling people from the beginning of time, diet, exercise, and sleep, diet, exercise, and sleep. He says, yep. was your mother ever active? And I said, well, she did a week of jazzercise in the 80s. And, you know, they, <laughs> they just, because they, they, back then, you know, my mom was 76. Back then, if you weren't an athlete, you didn't exercise. They did not realize that we all should exercise. We should all walk or swim or bike or whatever. And and so he goes, there's no guarantees, but if you do, like I only drink water and sugar-free sports drinks, and that's very, very rarely. So all I drink is water, and Mm. I I went vegetarian, and I try to really cut down the sweets. I still have sweets. I'm not going to lie and say I don't, but I'm very conscious of what I'm eating, and he goes, if you... Because I'm 55 now. Mom didn't start getting her Alzheimer's until about 72, 73. And he goes, mm-hmm. if you are proactive about your health now, you may never get Alzheimer's or you may get Alzheimer's when you're like 100 years old. Which right, it, right. But the yeah. thing is, you have to be, you can't say, well, I hope I don't because hope is not a strategy. You got to say, okay, right. what based on the science, based on the research, is there anything I can do Mm -hmm. to maybe mitigate me getting Alzheimer's, okay? And so I did the research. I didn't, like, read a tweet. I mean, I actually read books and went to experts, and this is what the research has told me. But I Mm -hmm. didn't take a passive, reactive approach. I said, okay, how can I be proactive to maybe mitigate this chance? And I think people who know the seven things you talk about in your book, changes, they know this, but they're just like, well, I'll worry about that. You know, when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. they're they're kicking the can down the road and all of a sudden, boom, it's going to flare up and like, Oh man, I wish I would have done this 40 years ago. Well, the time is now, I don't care if you're listening to this and you're 25 or you're 55, do something about it now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and I think, I think to a certain extent, we, uh, there is always something in our life that we want to change always, whether it's, you know, health related or professionally related or, you know, relationally like we want a better relationship we want to make more money. Right. And that's, you know, that's the, the other, I think, invitation that, you know, I would give to everybody is regardless of what it is that we want, because we always want something in my, in my work, the answer to what's blocking us from getting what we want is in one of these aspects of our lived experience, Mm. You know, either the way we're approaching something, how we how we're thinking about it, maybe it's what we're doing with our body, maybe it's some emotional thing that is is getting in our way, and or maybe it's one of these other you know these other uh, four. And so, in and all the work that I've done over the course of my career as an executive coach, as an organizational consultant, and as a licensed psychotherapist, working with thousands of clients over the course of you know fifteen years now, um, I can always trace back whatever the change was. To one or a handful of these seven principles. And, you know, I find it in my own life as well. I find it in friends and family. I mean, it's just, they're, they're ever present. And so, you know, again, I think culturally what we're in right now is this kind of pop psychology culture, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's like the latest hack around whatever it is. And what that can do is it can silo our perspective to say, oh, if I can just get this hack right then I will be, you know, I'll make the most money or whatever it is. But it's really not, to me, it's not about the hack because it, if, it's, if it's focused on that one aspect of our lived experience, you know, again, we're leaving money and opportunity and and, re- yes. and ultimately happiness yes. on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I got to ask you a question that uh, sure. I struggle with, but as a licensed, you're a licensed therapist, psychotherapist, would you say it were?
1: Yeah. If you, I, I could go down a rabbit hole around what are the, what are the differences? And, okay. uh, but yeah, like a, th- a therapist is the, is the best general okay. term. Yeah. So
0: yeah. do you have, have you found it challenging to help your close family and friends? Because I try to like, I'm a productivity guy. I, yeah. I, I can't coach my wife. Okay. You can't coach yeah. your kids. Do you find the same thing? Do people like, ah, Michael, we know you, you know, we used to change your diaper. You, what do you know? Do you, do you have to be yeah. honest with it? You. you have that problem?
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. So, a cu- couple couple answers to that. So, I don't practice. I still actually still have a license in the state of North Carolina. I don't practice anymore though. I made a pivot years ago and so the work that that I and and partners do now is all around leadership team and, and cultural performance with okay. organizations. That's that's really the the lane that we're in. Okay. Um and more specifically to answer your question, you know, yeah yeah, it happen, happens all the time. I've you know, I've got a really core group of friends that um, you know, they're, I've known them since we were in second grade and they're, they're like brothers and, you know, and sisters. And so, you know, they, if they were to hear me on this podcast, they, they would probably laugh because they, you know, that it's hard for them to take me, take me seriously.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dave Ramsey <laughs> says point. that once someone powders your butt, they won't take you seriously. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So yeah, you know, those in those kinds of close relationships, you know, if, if there's a challenge that they come to me with, you know, I, my, my recommendation is, you know, let me let me help you think through how to find the right coach or the right therapist or whatever it is. And so rather than like being that support person directly to them.
0: Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, so yeah. you were gracious enough to send me these cards, which I think are really cool. And I confess to you that I put them on a shelf after you sent them to me. I haven't reached them. So tell me what these cards are. They're really cool. They they go through the seven, uh, the seven letters we talked about in the word changes. So explain to mm. us what these cards are all about.
1: Sure. Yeah. Happy to. So about, I don't know, I guess, I guess after I published the book, you know, around these seven, these seven dimensions of our experience in life, you know, to, to your point, it can be tricky to uh, evaluate each of them and decide what, what, is the, what am I going to do? What's the action I'm going to take? And so one of the answers that we have to that question is, well, it requires us to ask better questions of ourselves and each other. Around these seven aspects of our lived experience, so that's essentially what the card deck is. So it's forty-nine questions, seven questions per dimension. So seven, you know, seven times seven, and um, the idea is that you can use it as a solo activity on your own to be able to ask ask yourself better questions around each aspect. You can use it in pairs. So a lot of you know, a lot of like you could use it in the context of a coworker or a family member or, you know, in employee, employer kind of thing, a leadership, we see that a lot. Um, and you could also use it as a group activity to build rapport in a team, for instance. And we'll even use them in big conferences to create deeper connection with folks. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So the short, you know, the short answer is it helps us ask ourselves and each other better questions around all of our life so that we can optimize each part of our life. And, and I, yeah,
0: I think, I think, Asking better questions gives you clarity. A lot of people are not clear. I see a lot of people talking about clarity on LinkedIn these days because people are not clear. They they mm-hmm. they're they're kind of all over the place. And I I I would argue until you get clarity, it's really difficult to be productive, to mm-hmm. be uh, not only being productive at your job but to be a productive member of society. You, what do you want? And a um, lot of people don't know what they want they mm. they don't know what they want they they they're they're okay when's my lunch break uh when when's quitting time when's the weekend yeah. when's my vacation that's not getting clear what i mean like what do you want to accomplish in 2020 2021 2022 and people don't take the time to sit down and think about it they come up with goals they put something together December 31st at four o'clock in the afternoon before they go on the New Year's New Year party. That's not what we're talking about. And I think yep. one of the things I like about your book and about these card decks, it, it gets you thinking. It gets you stop daydreaming and actually start thinking and getting clarity to what you want to accomplish in this life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that, Mark. And I totally agree. I think we can all spend more time imagining what does our ideal future look like. Right. And some, some of that, you know, gets into, you know, what is, what is our belief around what we're actually capable of doing? You know, how much money could I imagine making? How much love do I actually, do I deserve? Or what do I believe I deserve? Right. Like, how healthy could I actually really be? You know, and sometimes our beliefs tend to uh, underestimate what's possible. And to your point, one way around that is to really spend our time imagining what is it that I truly want. And I think some, sometimes we can get into a trap of, you know, thinking about what I don't want, right? Yes. Because, you know, thinking about, well, this, this is stressful or this isn't working or whatever. And, and when we think about what we don't want, we get into that victimization mindset that we talked about a few minutes ago. When we think about what, what could be and what's possible. And what, you know, what might I create and how might I get there in the coming, whatever, six months, 12 months, we move from the place of victim to the place of master. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I think we can all spend more time there.
0: So let's talk a little bit about your book. Where can we get your book? Where can we get the this card deck?
1: Okay. Yeah. Great. I actually, I, I'll give you, I'll give uh, you and your audience here a free gift uh, today. If you're up for it, Mark. Oh, I think who yeah.
0: doesn't want a free gift? <laughs> who, who doesn't love free, free gifts? No, yeah. I want to pay for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So here, here's a way they can get some free stuff. So when, when COVID hit, we asked this question of how can we create a virtual version of the physical card deck? right cuz the card deck is you know it's it's tangible yes. it's physical and so so we went ahead and did that and we're and we're giving it away and there's no opt in required i'm going to give you and your listeners a site to go to and it's there to use immediately there's instructions and a video on how to use it it can be shared out and the purpose is you know like you and I were talking about earlier before the start we we're talking about the importance of giving during this time of chaos right mm-hmm. so that's that's our belief too we want to be givers and so um so anyway so you can go and get a sampling of the of the card deck it's got 24 questions of the 49 and it's just at virtualchanges.com virtualchanges.com and um, yeah, so that's where they can find the deck. If they're interested in learning more about our consultancy, the name of that is ARC Integrated, and it's ARCintegrated.com, and they can learn about you know leadership development and uh, executive coaching that we do there.
0: And the book, I'm sure, is at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all those places? All the, all the places,
1: yeah, books are found. And, and the full title is Changes, uh, The Busy Professional's Guide to Reducing Stress, Accomplishing Goals, and Mastering Adaptability.
0: So how does it feel to write your book because i i self-published two books and that was hard and i always appreciate an author who can actually write a book because writing a book is hard it is hard and uh, so i'm sure you were really relieved when it went to the final approval (laughs) went to the printer and you printed the books um so talk about you know how how was the process? Was it, did you find it enjoyable? Did you find it nerve wracking, a combination thereof? Tell us about oh, that. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. All of that. Yeah. Nerve wracking and exciting and, and interesting. I learned, you know, I went into it not knowing anything about the industry. Okay. And so learned a ton about both the traditional and the self publishing industry. I, I started out in like a hybrid model with a hybrid publisher and then went full self-publishing for a variety of reasons. But uh, yeah, I was really happy with it. Um, Had a really great experience with my editor. Can't, you know, can't be thankful enough to him. And yeah, excited, you know, like with any project, you know, you look back and you think I would do X, (laughs) Y, and Z differently, of course. (laughs) But uh, yeah, excited to start on the second one. Haven't gone down that road yet, but I think probably next year I'll start my second one.
0: I will tell you that all books are not created equal. I've read books I'm like, oh, you shouldn't have written this book. It's horrible. <laughs> and I've read books I'm like, it's over already. So I mean, I, right now I'm a history I'm a history buff. So I'm going through Bill oh, O'Reilly's cool. Killing series. I'm reading yeah. a book called Killing England about our independence of England. Very fascinating. Oh, wow. But there are people, and I'm, I started reading your book and I stopped because I'm like, wait a minute, I have a policy. Don't read the book until the author is on. And the listener may go, well, that makes no sense. No, I don't want to be influenced asking questions. I want to try to ask them questions. Like we're having a conversation at Starbucks. So, but yeah, i want to go back great. and I'm going go back and read the book. So uh, I do thank you for sending me a copy of your book and the deck. I'm going to start using with my wife. So I really appreciate okay. you being on the show today. Before we wrap up, anything else that you, you feel in your heart that you want to share with the listeners? Well, I would
1: just say, um, again, you know, if if there's something that people want to change in their life, and there always is that there's an answer to that. Mm. There's an answer to why I can't change it. Right. And so I just, I want to invite people and in- encourage them to, to, to hold that belief mm. that there is a clear answer and whatever it is that they want to create uh is possible and again it's likely influenced by one or a few of these seven dimensions of our of our lived experience and so so yeah i'll leave people with a little you know invitation of of hope and positivity
0: yeah and don't give up i mean if you feel called don't give up don't give up yep. because if you give up you're stealing you're robbing the the world of your gift so absolutely. absolutely, Michael. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a tremendous uh, conversation with you for sharing your insights. So I really appreciate it. Oh,
1: thank you so much, Mike. Great to see you.
0: And just before we go, don't forget to register for my next live training. Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern, going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how. Register by clicking the link in my show notes or, and the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.